0: Hello and welcome to Reactive's Yellow Room, I am Evi Kiori, and this week we are talking about Ever Given's adventure in the Suez Canal. The vessel was trapped for several days causing transport delays before it was finally freed on Monday. We are also talking about the very important elections in Bulgaria where citizens are called to decide what is going to be the next day of the political arena in the country. The ever-given cargo ship blocked Egypt's Suez Canal for nearly one week, and besides the memes on the internet, I don't think we really understand the impact it had. So, to shed some light on what actually happened there, I am joined today by Reactive's transport editor, Sean Galden-Carroll. So, what does this disruption in transport mean, and what were the consequences?
1: We've been inundated with these images of the ever-given ship wedged in the canal, and um it's kind of struck a chord with people. This notion that this gargantuan, muscular emblem of global trade was disrupted simply because it was, it was too big. Um, or you could also argue that maybe the canal is too small. Uh, I mean, at its narrowest point, it's about 300 meters wide. But in the end, I mean, the, the, the ship just got stuck. And there's been a lot of memes about it and jokes on Twitter, as you said. But of course, behind uh, the funny images is something more serious. And that is a disruption to global trade. You have to remember that it's not just the evergiven that was impacted it's every other ship behind it and it's estimated that there are over 400 ships waiting to use the canal um and they were transporting goods ranging from you know cattle to oil to ikea furniture mobile phones bananas you know a little bit of everything um they, they actually had to send veterinarians to check on the livestock which had come uh, primarily from romania uh, just to ensure the animals remained healthy while the blockage was ongoing. So the cost of the blockage has been very significant. It's estimated that it costs around $9 billion to $10 billion per day. And uh, keep in mind that uh, the ship was stuck for seven days. So uh, that's over $6.5 million for every minute it was stuck.
0: Just by the numbers you're mentioning now, we can understand the importance for the global economy. And as you said, cargo ships uh, cross the canal all the time. So, what was the situation and what were the alternative solutions for the ships that were trapped there?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's true that it's an extremely busy shipping route. It's one of the busiest in the world. Around uh, 12% of global trade flows through the canal. So, a number of ships decided just to avoid the canal altogether and instead they rerouted to sail around Africa. So if you're traveling from Taiwan to Europe, say, to to Rotterdam, it's much quicker to go via the Suez Canal because you can essentially cut through Egypt to get to the Mediterranean Sea. But if you can't do that, uh, then you need to sail around the continent of Africa, looping around the Cape of Good Hope in South Africa and then heading up towards Portugal. Um, This, of course, means extra time, but it also means extra fuel costs. Uh, But some companies worried that the delay would be so lengthy that it was actually worth navigating around Africa to try and remain closer to schedule. But others, they just simply waited in the queue for the blockage to be freed.
0: And how long will it take to go back to normality, not only in terms of traffic, but also in terms of the effect it had uh, regarding the global shipping and the economy?
2: It's
1: difficult to concretely say what the impact on the economy was or what it will be uh, when the dust has settled. Um, we know that oil, which is transported through the canal, saw its price rise as a result of the blockage. And it's true that a lot of retailers will struggle with the delay as it means they could have, you know, bare shells uh, for a period. There's also the risk that food being transported may be unfit for consumption by the time it arrives due to the delay. Uh, I mean, some customers were even considering reordering and having their goods shipped by air freight, which is much more expensive, just that so they wouldn't have this major delay. And you have to keep in mind that COVID restrictions have already made international shipping more difficult. So this whole saga has just added to that difficulty. Um, In terms of traffic, ships are once again passing through the canal. But as I said, many had already decided to reroute. Um, And it's also foreseen that the cost of shipping goods to Europe will rise as a result of the incident. And of course, likely uh, maritime insurance, the cost of that will rise as well.
0: And how was Ever Given freed and what are the measures taken by the authorities to prevent such incidents from taking place in the future? Do they plan to stop the shipping of such vessels with such big capacity?
1: Freeing the Ever Given, it's an incredible task. I mean, the, the ship is 400 meters long and it weighs around 200,000 tons and it was transporting over 18,000 containers.
0: A team of workers from the Netherlands, Japan and Egypt worked for days trying to free Ever Given. The concentration of sand allowed the 14 tugboats that were used to finally pull the ship free and refloat it.
1: There was a serious worry that the weight of the ship would be so great that it would mean they would need to remove cargo uh, from the ship, which would have been a logistical nightmare, but you know, in the end it didn't come to that. But on the, on the broader point of large cargo ships, um, I mean, these ships are very efficient because they can transport large amounts in one go. But of course, this also means that when something goes wrong, it has a major impact. Um, and there has been growing criticism of these so-called mega ships. Uh, on your active, there's an article uh, written by the former mayor of Eimland in the Netherlands, in which he uh, details how cargo is frequently lost overboard from these mega ships and the environmental impact it can have. Uh, the Guardian has also reported on how the Ever Given blockage is now likely to spark years of litigation. The different parties are going to try and figure out who's uh, responsible, who's on the hook for the financial fallout from the incident.
0: You're listening to Your Yellow Room. And if you want to expand your knowledge on other EU policy fields, you can listen to our Digital Brief podcast and AgriFood Brief podcast. You can find them on your favourite podcasting app. And on another topic, moving to Bulgaria, where on Sunday, Bulgarians will head to the polls for a parliamentary election amid a surge of coronavirus cases and after months of anti-government protests. To dive into the details of why these elections are important, I am joined today by Krasen Nikolov, the editor-in-chief of Euroactive Bulgaria. So, Krasen, thanks for being with us today. This Sunday, we have elections in Bulgaria. However, there are fears expressed mainly by the NGO Anti-Corruption Fund about the risk of electoral fraud. Now, how likely is something like this to take place on Sunday's elections?
2: Not only in these elections, but in general, uh, the so-called controlled vote in Bulgaria has a share of about 10 to 15%. Uh, It weighs more if electoral activity is lower. So analysts can easily identify it once uh, they have a list of polling stations uh, where parties do uh, these illegal things. Uh, I will give you an example to understand. Near the town of Pleven, which is uh, located in northern Bulgaria, there is a large village with about uh, 2,000 inhabitants. This village has a mayor who is uh, elected for a fifth terms. So he is a very stable guy there. Uh, the village is called Bukovok. This place is uh, well known between the polling experts in our country. The curious thing in this village is that around 90% of the uh, inhabitants uh, choose one party and vote for it. The problem is uh, that the party is different in every different elections. For example, if in the European elections they vote for for the party of the Turkish minority, MRF, in the parliamentary elections, uh, uh, probably they can uh, vote for the party of the Prime Minister Borisov-Gerb. And uh, uh, every time is different, but uh, the proportion of the vote is the same every time. 90% of the people vote, vote for one party. The only logical explanation uh, is the control or uh, so-called uh, vote vote.
0: And the control of the vote votes is so obvious in some cases that raises many questions. For instance, it has been observed that in many polling stations located in Roma neighborhoods, the majority of the locals, which are Roma's, vote for the nationalist Bulgarian uh, movement, which happens to have a clear anti-Roma rhetoric.
2: So many analysts took these numbers and told us uh, what is the share of the control vote in our elections it's about 10 to
0: 15%. And could you say that the example that you just described, you know, a specific village united voting for one party or whatever their interest may be at that time, is something that uh, applies in general in Bulgaria or is it something that is mostly related to rural uh, areas?
2: The latest uh, analysis uh, about this topic told us that there are about percent Hundreds, uh, polling station in Bulgaria, which these things are possible. Uh, it's not all the, uh, all the stations, but these things are focused mainly in uh, very poor regions or the poor uh, neighborhoods in the, the big cities. So uh, we have around 11,000 uh, polling stations in Bulgaria. So if you take uh, this uh, share of about Two thousand five hundred. It's about twenty percent of the polling station where these things can happen. So it's not in general, but it's something uh, that have a big, big impact on the fairness of our elections.
0: Is there any action taken by the authorities to prevent uh, electoral fraud and to reassure uh, transparency?
2: There are always uh, reports from the investigators that people have been. uh, detained for buying electoral votes mm-hmm. but uh, the general feeling is that nothing is being done nothing is being done because controlled voting uh, is uh, as i said a mass phenomenon and uh, it serves those in power
0: and what is the majority of bulgarians expecting from these elections and of course what are the exit polls giving out so far
2: bulgarians like most Europeans are afraid of the pandemic Mm -hmm. and, uh, of course, uh, are afraid of the economic uncertainty it brings. Bulgarians just want this pandemic to end and uh, to get their old wife back. But uh, even though their old wife uh, belongs to the poorest, they're living here like uh, the poorest EU citizens.
0: And precisely the fear of uncertainty will push 30% of the Bulgarian population to vote for Borisov's party. His party seems to represent the ties with the European Union and the promises of economic stability.
2: However, uh, this will not be enough for him to form a stable government. The analysts expected that there will be uh, new parliamentary elections uh, this year along with the presidential elections uh, in the fall. Mm -hmm. Uh, The times are really interesting, Uh, I say it with regret, of course. (laughs) It will be a period of political instability here in Bulgaria.
0: Definitely. I can sense that coming. And we know that there were protests happening during the summer with citizens expressing their anger and need for action to face corruption, right? Could these protests uh, have an influence on the voting preference? Especially because you just mentioned that Borisov's party is expected to win the elections. So, did anything change there?
2: In this parliament, now, Uh, We don't have a party that is clearly against the government. But in the next parliament, uh, we will have uh, such parties. The protest vote is measured at about maybe 30%. It is divided into three parties. The biggest one belongs to the uh, showman Slavik Trifonov.
0: Although this is Trifonov's uh, electoral debut, his party is expected to take the third position, which could lead to forming a coalition with the winning party.
2: The other two uh, parties are the parties of the city-right Liberals, the Democratic Bulgaria, uh, it's clearly pro-European party. And the center-left coalition with the curious name Rise Up tooks out. So uh, it's, it's something very symbolic for the situation here in Bulgaria because we have clearly anti-corruption name. Uh, so they had uh, a better chance for more votes uh, during the protest times at th- the last year, but Borisov managed to survive because He's very good at that to survive where, where count the most. And now he is the clear favorite for winning the elections, but not uh, to form a stable government.
0: I am Evi Chiori and this was your Active's Yellow room. We will be back on your feet in two weeks' time. Until then visit youractive.com for the latest news and don't forget to listen to this podcast on your favorite podcasting app. Thank you very much for listening. See you soon.